designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline, I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we're your hosts. Hi. So our guests today are Virginia Toledo and Jessica Geller. They have they own the boutique design firm in Inglewood, New Jersey called Toledo Geller. Their work has been featured in Lonnie Magazine, El Decor, New York Cottages and Gardens, New York Spaces, Architectural Digest, Rue Magazine, and y'all were recently named House Beautiful's Next Wave Designers. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to talk with you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> we are still um, doing this virtually, everyone listening. So yes. um, as you hear us talk over each other, we'll try yes. our best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have to say that, well, I think I found y'all's work on Instagram um, and I just immediately fell in love with your portfolio. I love the way that you design spaces. They're so layered. And I think you can, I don't know, it's it's hard to, I don't know why, but I think it's so easy to tell in your work that they're very practical and designed for really living and they're not just, you know, beautiful for photos. And so I loved seeing that because it, it feels like a, a home that you could really, you know, be at home in, which is great because right now we're all home so much. <laughs> Do you, could y'all tell us a little bit before we get started, um, about how y'all met, how you, you know, became partners in this business and um, just a little bit about your background. Sure. It's a kind of a fun story that um, people are surprised when we tell them about how, how we met. Um, so I started the company in 06, um, based out of Manhattan. Uh, both uh, Jessica and I lived in the city at the time, and uh, it was a great time to start an interior design business. The economy was doing really well and I got busy really quickly. And shortly after kicking off the um, the firm, which I always knew from the very beginning, I wanted it to be more than just me. I always thought of it as a team, um, a group of people. And in fact, the original name of the company was ID810 Design Group. And 810 was a reference to my birth date, which is August 10th. But I never wanted my name on the door because I always knew that I wanted more people around me. Um, and so shortly after starting the company, um, I needed help. And so I put out an ad on Craigslist for <laughs> another designer. Yes. Thank God in the universe that uh, Jessica was one of the people that answered that ad. And I uh, interviewed her and someone recently was asking us about that first day and if we remember everything. And I still remember she had this really cute cardigan. It was like very like hick style pattern. And she had this really nice bob. She was so cute. And uh, <laughs> so long story short, we, um, yeah, so I hired her and then she was amazing, obviously. And sort of was like everywhere I fell short, she was really good at, and she always had this ability to stay super calm under pressure. And, uh, we quickly became business partners. And so, um, 
yeah, not even, you know, it was just a few months into the relationship. And then we became um, official business partners and have been together ever since. That is, I can, I can honestly say that we have never heard the Craigslist ad mm-hmm. as no, the origin story. <laughs> okay. So Jessica, when you met Virginia, what did you think? And do you remember what she was wearing? <laughs> so I don't remember what she was wearing and, um, she doesn't know this, but we were recently asked this same question and we submitted answers separately. So um, I don't know what she said and she doesn't know what I said, but I said, I remember thinking, I cannot tell how old this person is. Is she 20 or is she 40? Because she carried herself. She didn't know that she looked old, but she carried herself like a boss. Like she, there was an intimidation factor, but also just really sweet and lovely at the same time. And I remember being like, how old is she? We're the same age. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what she was wearing. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. funny. You said that your personalities meshed really well, but how did your design styles sort of, I guess, blend in those early days, especially? I think in the early days that we used to, it, it's, it's so bizarre. I think we've really like always had very similar aesthetics. There's things that, we push each other towards. So I think Virginia has a bit more modern aesthetic than I do. Um, And then mine is a little bit more haphazard and sometimes the kind of thing that just works, but you're not really sure why it's not necessarily one of the rules. Um, And so I think we, we, we blend really nicely at this point. I think there's no difference between something that, I would say versus what she would say, we've even had clients quiz us and ask us, pull us aside separately and say, okay, I I asked her already, but I want to know your opinion without you knowing what she said. And we've always said the same things. So it's almost like that when your dog starts looking like you or vice versa, it's like, we've been together so long. We are impossible to tell who started something and who finished it. It's just always together. That's really that cool. wonderful. I actually was wondering, based on your actual logo, which one of you, because uh, their logo is their two names, the, the Toledo Geller, and one is in um, sans serif font and the other is in serif font or whatever. And so I was like, I wonder if that means that the, you know, one's more traditional than the other. Um, so was that a play that I caught on to? Yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. Yeah, that that <laughs> We've never heard anybody get that, but absolutely. That's actually, oh my gosh, you're so right, Taryn. I love that. It's so subtle. Yeah, I noticed it. That was the first thing I noticed. And then I dove into your portfolio and I was like, oh my gosh, these, even these homes feel so um, different. Like you, you can tell that you've really, um, you've got a vast, uh, like look, I should say. Um, and I'm sure you're basing it off customers, but are your clients or whatever. But um, is are there projects you find that one of you leads more than the other based on the uh, client kind of style? Yeah, definitely. I think that's where we have a, a true yin and yang relationship. And even how we, we think about some 
projects and how they start off and that kind of thing. Um, sort of talking about the earlier part of our career, I think I was um, just very focused on the architecture and the envelope and that kind of thing because that was my prior training. Um, and Jessica had me just see things in a much more relaxed way and that it didn't have to like follow such rules. And, and again, just referencing that yin and yang, it was really nice to have a little more fun with it all. And so I think uh, for each project, it sort of follows suit. Um, and so a project might just pull on my heartstrings a little bit more than Jessica and vice versa. There might be a project she's like dreading to put pen to paper. And then I'm like, no, I actually kind of dig this project. She's like, well, I'm good, glad that you do because it's definitely not on my top of the list. So, and then we immediately, I think what's so, um, I think fun and makes me so happy about our relationship. We inspire each other. So then, because I almost feel like if I'm starting to work on a project that I know Jessica's like not so into, I want her to get happy. So while like I'm planning it, <laughs> for this, like she's all of a sudden like the client to some level because I want her to be happy about it when I present some of the, you know, initial ideas to her. And then she's inspired and she's like, all right, I'm there. I got it. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) That's that's actually really, that seems like a really great way way to go about your partnership because I imagine uh, probably not for y'all, but for many people that have a, you know, 50, 50 partnership, you know, it's like a marriage. You can disagree sometimes and you may not always be right on the same page. So knowing that y'all both want to kind of compromise and get buy-in from each other probably really helps your, the client's look, you know, the, the look you're creating for the client, but also just your business. Yeah. I mean, we always say that our clients are lucky that they have both of us um, for so many reasons, but even as simple as two heads are better than one, you know, mm-hmm. we inspire each other. We have fun when we're working on the project together. And then that just naturally drives the design further. Yeah. Okay, Virginia, what will Jessica always put in a room? Like, what is the thing you find she gravitates to every time? And it can be a pattern, it can be a material, it can be an item. A little leopard, for sure. That's her signature. <laughs> that, that is, that's going to be her signature forever. She's going to be that like 90 year old lady with like a leopard turban walking down. <laughs> we know this already. Um, so yeah, and, and sometimes it's super subtle and it could be tonal and it's not the, you know, um, stereotypical leopard pattern or animal print or what have you. But um, yeah, you'll always find a, a dose of that or a dash of that with Jessica. I love it. Okay. Jessica has to answer it now. So if we're talking about patterns, it would be plaid for Virginia. She is a sucker for plaid, whether it's like a traditional kind of Christmassy kind of plaid or something that's a play on colors and there's some fuchsia or lilac in it. Um, But also what she said earlier about thinking about things from an architectural standpoint. I mean, she's still, while she doesn't do it as much as she used to, she still always thinks about the envelope of a space and that our design is never going to be right, even if um, we put the most beautiful furniture in it. So she's always looking at the, the architecture and thinking, if there's a budget to change things and if there's not a budget, then how are we going to fix the architectural problems in an inexpensive way? Yeah. Over that kind of stuff. (laughs) 
So with that, Virginia, talking about the architectural envelope, um, what are some things you find are a little unfixable? Because some of us are sitting at our house being like, ah, maybe paint will change this. What are some things in your mind you don't think we can change? And what are some that we can? Like, or what can we work around? What can you, gosh, I kind of think you can work around anything, honestly. I mean, (laughs) I won't stop until I'm like, I don't care what the budget is. I'm going to figure this out. (laughs) <laughs> well to like to, to into perspective yesterday we were virtually working on a project and there's a project that we have where there's double hung windows but they're up 14 or 15 feet high it's a very tall ceiling and it's driving her insane because <laughs> why would how would anybody put like get on a ladder and open those windows up that high it just it looked funny even if you don't know that that's what the issue is. You look at that room and you're Im- immediately thinking, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. But I know it's eating her alive that we're not, it's not in the budget to change all the windows in the home. So we're talking about how can window treatments help conceal some of that? Mm-hmm. Right. Ooh, what's the answer for someone who might be listening and have this issue? Right. I know. I, we're convinced there was like a fire sale on double hung windows when this builder built this house. <laughs> and they're all like too small and, you know, used as transom windows, right, in this instance. So um, we're thinking about a d- few different things. So either we can uh, do a little bit of a millwork trick, um, something we've done similar in the past where it's almost like we're going to put lattice over that whole thing and trim it out with. Um, That's cool. I would yeah. never have thought of that. We won't be using them. They're, you know, they're up 14, 15 feet high. Um, and so it'll be, it'll almost be like a architectural detail and then it'll be flanked with floor to ceiling drapes on either side. So you'll just see the light emit from it but it'll be a latticed panel. And of course that has to tie into other trim details so it doesn't look um, sort of contrived, but um, that's that's one thing we're thinking about. Um, And then, or alternatively, we're thinking about painting all of the um, window trims. Uh, And so if we can make all of those dark and bleed into some other things, maybe it won't be so jarring. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I can't let it go. (laughs) that's good though that's good because I'm sure that your clients have been struggling with this their you know since they've been in their house and that's why they've hired you (laughs) they just bought this house and they knew things were wrong but couldn't quite pinpoint what it is but now once you point it out to them they can't unsee it but we'll get there one of the things in your portfolio that I I noticed a few times and I thought this was so smart it's I've honestly, I'm sure I've seen it, but I've never known why, is um, there were a few homes, and there's one in particular that I was thinking of, um, where it was kind of one of those small cottages where you walk straight into the living room. And, you know, I'm sure for anyone who has that um, home, I used to have one, it can be kind of challenging sometimes because you're, you've got a fireplace, you've got windows, you've got a front door, you, this is probably your main living room. Where the heck do you put your sofa so you can see everything? And you did something so smart where you used a, um, it was sort of like a sofa, but slash chaise. I don't, it sort of had like a cutout in the back, but can you explain that? Cause it seemed like that was sort of one of your attempts to successfully sort of fix that architectural layout challenge. Yeah. So we, um, 
we started our business working in Manhattan in New York City apartments. And so it was always this same situation where you just walk right into the apartment and you're immediately in the living room and it drove us crazy. So we always wanted to make a sense of arrival, even if it wasn't naturally there physically with the space. Um, That has always been something that's been important to us. And with that particular project, but we've done it in many other spaces, it's, it's also when the the space is very long and narrow. And so the question is, how do you put seating? Because somewhere you're going to be cutting off the room. And so these transition pieces, like you're describing, where it's a chaise, where there's a cutout and it's open to both sides, allows you to have this piece of furniture in the middle of the space. And it joins two different separate seating areas. So And sometimes they have different feelings to them. So in the one you're describing, there's a little bit more of a formal feel on one side with a layered area rug on top. And then on the other side, it's a little bit more casual with a window nook and built-in seating there with some swivel chairs. But ultimately, it's still one big room. Hmm. I thought it was so smart with, you know, because a lot of people have those small living rooms and a lot of times the suggestion is to put a back to face the um, the doorway and then a sofa table. But I thought that the open, so, you know, that'll block your view though, if, if it is a small room. I just thought that was so smart. Thank you. In fact, that's like really the reason the client hired us for this, for this job was she bought this house and they were downsizing from a much, much larger home which was actually a whole other cool story in of itself because they are a young family and, and you don't ever see the downsizing at this stage in someone's life, mm-hmm. um, which is really neat. And so how do you make the most out of a space? But um, this this room certainly was a challenge. It's a challenge for most people to try to take on as an amateur or whatever you want to call it, you know, DIYer because um, mm-hmm. it is so long. And in fact, it was decorated really nicely with the for what the previous owners had done. Um super tailored, very masculine, though um, not necessarily what they wanted, but how do you bridge that, those spaces? And I think the same application can be applied to the very popular dining and living room concepts you see in like all of the modern high rises and all of that. No one has a proper living room and a proper dining room in in these sort of buildings. Um, And so you have the same sort of challenge there and how do you you know, unify that. So we've been able to do that as well. I also, there was a, I think there was a Ballard cabinet in that room as well. There was like a, I think that actually might be how I found your um, your portfolio. Yes. The heiress cabinet. Did you design that Taryn? I know. Actually, this is a different, I think we were thinking of a different project. Oh, you've done it. You've done it several times. I know there was that one with the small living room and that's the wrong one. Yeah, the heiress cabinet. That's what I was thinking of. The arch top. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's so funny. Now I know which which house you're talking about. I was totally describing a different one, but it's the same concept. It's the same idea. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that actually that cabinet drove so much of the the feel of the room. Like we did not want to let go of that cabinet. There were alternatives. <laughs> Seriously. Like, and um we that's the first thing you see when you walk through the front door, like that elevation is, is what you first see. And so it was so important to get that cabinet into the scheme. We love it. Actually, I'm thinking about it for, if I ever do my master bathroom, 
since Corona is putting a wrench in everything. Um, <laughs> yep. First world problems, of course, but um, I want that cabinet in my master bathroom. Like I see it with all the rolled towels and all of that. Oh yeah, that would be pretty in a bathroom. Well, I love how you paired that with, in that room, there's a lot of straight lines. Like you've even had two chairs kind Mm -hmm. of flanking it that have a, like a rounded arm. Um, Well, I guess that's, yeah. And, but the back is like so straight and then you have the straight back of the um, sofa. Anyway, there's some great play on the round and the straight lines and it really makes the space like, um, you guys are doing what you do. That's weird. But maybe speak to that a little bit, because I think that's probably a detail that most people that are sort of decorating their own homes wouldn't think to do. They would think like, oh, I'm doing all straight lines or, oh, I'm doing all curvy feminine lines. But it seems, you know, the mix really helps. So why why do we need both? So I think in everything, right, we need balance. It's, it's you can, if you went one way either way, like if you went all curvy, which we're seeing a lot of that in this sort of like mod eighties sort of thing, we're all sort of living in marshmallow sofas and <laughs> which you totally dig. I mean, it's really neat. Uh, we're eighties babies, but, um, it, it, you need a balance in this particular project though. Um, there was going back to the architecture, this home was built in the eighties as well. That's funny. But, um, there were all of these elements of these sort of soft, arched openings throughout the house. And I think the client just thought we'd want to straighten everything up and, and clean it up. But it was part, it was inherent in the home and we weren't doing a complete overhaul. This wasn't a gut renovation. Um, and so we wanted to speak to some of that and didn't want everything to be super, you know, clean line. There had to be this, this balance. And so in that particular room that you're talking about, we did a sort of like a rustic shiplap application to the wall. And we almost created a frame around the doorway, the existing doorway that has those curves. And our client was like, is that really what you want to do? We're like, yeah, we're framing this doorway. And areas where it was missing, we reincorporated this soft arch. And so maybe sort of like in our mind's eye is what led us to the curved arched cabinet and some of these softer forms on the furniture. Uh, But it's just, again, working always like holistically and really making sure that the pieces have a sense of place. It's so rhythmic. I think that's what is so inviting about your the images of this room. And I'm sure when you're in it, it feels even better. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to speak to, because we talk about it often, but you have a binded rug that fits perfectly around the fireplace. There is something about a rug that is perfectly trimmed to a space that just makes it so tailored. It's just like a perfect suit, you know? Yeah, it elevates the design in it, it's the irony is that that's less expensive than having a big custom area rug made, right? Because what we're doing is we're taking a broad loom carpet and having it cut to size and following the undulations of the room. And if there's a fireplace, it goes around the fireplace and um, it makes it look so tailored and so much more special than you know, an expensive hand knotted silk rug would even do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And you can have so many, so many, so much fun with the trim on that, right, Jess? So, like, there are times we've done like a hot pink uh, binding in a little girl's room. Yeah. You could do a faux leather binding, make it chunky, make it really sort of thin and, and tailored. Um, but yeah, it elevates the room by far. I like the faux leather idea. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's a hot pink idea. <laughs> we know, Taryn, you have hot pink lipstick and hot pink glasses on. Yeah. I don't want pink at all. You know this, Caroline. I love some pink. <laughs> okay, I want to talk, Jessica, about your house that was just featured on housebeautiful.com. Okay. Uh, it's gorgeous. I, you know, it, it, I think that is another one where it looks homey but it also you have three kids and I thought I felt like in some spaces it was hard to believe that there were kids there but I could also you know it felt really happy um exactly what I was going for so maybe you could tell us about it when you bought it um all that good stuff so you've probably heard this before from other designers that you've interviewed but there's it's it's so hard to make a decision for your own home. And so for me to have my sounding board in Virginia and her to push me do, to do things that maybe I wouldn't have done or come to me with another idea um, was, you know, I needed that. So our, my house is very much a Toledo Geller project. Um, it's not something that I did all by myself. And um, it's, you know, there's things that I look around and I'm like, I can say that, oh yeah, Virginia, pushed me to do that or she approved this wild idea that I had and said, don't worry, you're not crazy. <laughs> you know, we get so many people who say, oh, I have kids, so I can't do this or this. I'll have to wait until they're older. We just think that that's a little bit crazy. You know, we obviously respect our clients when they feel that way and we work with them to make sure they're comfortable. But it's at the end of the day, it's just things. And there's ways to protect them. There's ways to treat them if something does happen. And it, what's the point of not living in a way that's going to make you happy? And also kids grow up really fast. Like they're not going to be two years old forever. There's a shelf life. And if you teach them to respect your things in your home, then yeah. they will. Well, also it seems like you're designing things with kids in mind. So you know like what they need or what to avoid, but there's no reason to deny yourself something that's going to make you happy or deny making a, a space comfortable for you just because you have kids. Like you can do both, you know? I'm not scared to show the wear and tear in my house um, because that's, you know, those are, they're annoying sometimes, but they're memories too, right? So it's part of, it's part of just living and experiencing things. You know, if you even think about a stone that's been in Italy on a countertop and that's just, it's the wear and tear. And that to me is so beautiful. Tell everyone about your dining room, because I thought it was very interesting the way you swapped it with the, what have, would have been the original or, you know, the living space. The true dining room in the house is much smaller than would really be able to accommodate a regular family gathering, not even a big family gathering. And so um, we uh, immediately thought, why are we going to force it, it? Basically, I would have had to do an extendable table that would extend into my foyer anytime I had one other family over. Um, so 
we just decided to take the formal living room and make that the dining room and then have our what was really the dining room have that be more of a a den kind of space we call it the party room um <laughs> where we have our dry bar we have our dance parties and it's really bright and happy and there's this mix of like a maybe crazy mix of pattern and color, but it all somehow works really nicely. Um, And so our dining room has a large dining table that can easily accommodate plenty of people. Um, We've had 22 people seated there um, because it's a, it's a formal, originally the formal living room, but I also have a sofa in there and I have a game table in there as well. Um, And I chose really intentionally to have it bright and happy and colorful and make it a space that we'd want to use more often than just on a holiday or if somebody was coming over for dinner. So the kids and I do puzzles in there on the dining table. Um, We do some projects, some art projects there. It's really, sometimes one of the kids will just take a book and go read by themselves there on the sofa. So we really wanted to make it not feel like a room that was only allowed to be used for dining. So all of the choices in that room were really intentional to make it feel happy. And even when you walk into the house and you see it right there, you're, you're drawn into that space, even though it's not really like the, in the natural path of, of the home. So how do you make a room feel happy? I mean, I feel like most people would sort of go to color for that, but are there other sort of tricks or things you keep in mind to make it like, how do you accomplish that feeling, I guess? I think not having things be too serious and too stiff. I think the mixing of patterns, color definitely helps. But having some mix of some floral that is going to be a little bit softer and then something like a stripe and something maybe um, a check, you know, having a play on pattern will help that too. Absolutely. I read a book um a while ago. And it was, uh, I think it was like called Casa Bohem or something like that. And it was about Bohemian homes. And I was just sort of drawn by the cover more than anything else. Um, it had like a Mediterranean home and I, that's like my dream architecture. But in reading the book, um, it really spoke about how to infuse joy in design. And that was just sort of like an I think we've been doing it, but it didn't hit me until reading that book. And now you're speaking about it um, and how to, and it really, it's, that's what I think um, could be a signature sort of, um, you know, style or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and and how, how do you invoke that in a room? To your point, yes, color definitely is one way, but you could also take a, a room that's like really sublime that can make you happy as well. And that might just be, you know, the way you're displaying um, things that you've found that you've collected in your travels, um, or the way, you know, a special collection that you have of, you know, you're a collector of who knows what, and, you know, you have that on display, um, front and center, as opposed to, you know, in some awkward corner of your home. Um, but yeah, I think it's it should be like a design another design element in in relation to proportion, scale, very and it should be joy. We need joy. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when we bought our new house, I um I kind of in our old house went very neutral with almost all my choices and then 
had a baby. And when we bought our new house, I was like, you know what? Like, we're going to be here a lot because it's going to be more challenging to go out and about. And we're going to have a little kid. Like, I need to make our house feel more fun, you know? And um, that wasn't necessarily a priority for me in the beginning. I kind of wanted the neutrals so that it was more versatile and I could move stuff around and it felt like there was more lifespan to the neutral pieces, but um, I definitely haven't regretted having more color. So anyways. yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's encouraging. It, it definitely takes sort of um, an edge off of a space. Um, my home is also very colorful and I knew I wanted it that way for a long time, but I will admit maybe like six months ago, I started having a moment where like, am I tired of all this color? Oh gosh, what did you do? Yeah, I got over it. Um, <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> but um, I think that it's sort of, because when we moved into our area, we were moving from the city. We knew no one in our town. So it was a lot of like meeting new mom friends. And so people would walk in and, you know, we really didn't have a relationship. Yeah, it was sort of all these new friendships that we were forging. Um, but I could see that people were very sort of, relaxed when they walk in there was always there's always I mean you go into interior designers home and a lot of people feel intimidated a little bit when they walk in they're just like mm-hmm. oh my gosh this is a design home you know like don't judge me when you come to my house you know they always get yes, that sort of, of thing course. Like, girl uh, we're here for a play date I don't care where's the wine you know I'm not judging you right. but um but I found that people seem to be very relaxed uh, very quickly and mm-hmm. and maybe that does have something to do with that portion of joy and like the fun mix. Um, there's nothing stodgy or makes you feel like you need to sit upright or anything like that. It's just, yeah. um, just very cool. Karen just joined Hi. us. Hi. Yay. You read my mind. Hi. <laughs> well, Taryn was texting me that she, she got kicked off. So I got to join. Oh, hi. Yay. <laughs> I took her spot, her seat at the table. Nice. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. I, there was something that you mentioned in some interview with you, and I can't remember which what it was, but um, you mentioned that when you are interviewing your clients, you ask them, what do you wear when you entertain? And I wanted to know what that answer tells you, other than the obvious, about your client. Like, why do you ask that? We've noticed, I mean, that came to us because we've noticed whenever we go to meet a client for our first interview with them, it's very telling to us what they're wearing. Um, If they're wearing like athleisure, if they're wearing um, work clothes, if they're wearing something that's a little bit more funky, it tells us because they're not expecting somebody to be judging them on what they're wearing, it tells us what their, you know, kind of what their personality is like. And it gives us some inferences that we can make in their home design. Um, So when they're entertaining, some people are, I think the question is specifically, what are people wearing on their feet when they open the door to entertain? Um, And so is it something like, are, are they wearing heels? Are they wearing something that's sensible or are they barefoot you know I'm in like a full-blown dress but I'm barefoot like (laughs) I think the answer is going to change a lot now for people because 
they're going to all be germaphobes now. So nobody's going to be allowing shoes in their homes anymore. <laughs> but yeah, you have to stay up on your pedicure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm always barefoot because I never wear shoes in the house. It feels weird to me to wear me shoes too. in the house. And so why would I wear shoes? Like, yeah, I, but, some people, but some people would, like my husband would never be barefoot if somebody came over. He would never. So obviously, our, not obviously, but that question is really more geared towards the woman. Um, but I think it's just, it's very telling about what, how they picture themselves at home. Yeah. And I think we also got there after, you know, a few years having having the business for a few years and realizing that sometimes when you're trying to um, get out of someone what their dreams for their home are, they might start saying things that really aren't consistent with what they mm-hmm. want, but what they think they should have or what their, their fantasy life. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so we would build upon that because that's what they were telling us. Um, but Jessica has a social working, a social worker background. She, that was her first um, career. And so she's always been really good about reading between the lines and like, oh, they said that, but that's not what they mm. meant. Kind of thing, right? The body language was this. No, 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 no. But remember that. And so we realized this was a really neat way of really finding out or even something as simple as, you know, they were cues to, okay, she's not really tapping into her authentic life because she told us that she's a big entertainer, but we've been here for two hours and we haven't had a glass of water, not to judge, Mm -hmm. but it just is what it is. Like you don't really entertain, (laughs) you know, you don't have to pretend. And if it's just you and your nuclear family, then let's make this house function so well and look really good for that and not for when you put on a show for, you know, you know, your corporate buddies once a year. Right. Right. That's that found is super important and maybe, you know, actually helped our business because people were happier with the results because they're having homes that now not only are beautiful to them, but are super functional and they're referring us to more of their friends and family. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, who was it? Oh, I think it was um, Sophie Donaldson wrote an article for the New York Times about how, um, you know, I think especially with this age of Pinterest, people get really caught up on what everyone else has and what should Mm -hmm. I have. And that may or may not function for you. So why waste Mm -hmm. your time, you know, obsessing over having the, that, it fabric that, you know, the girl in your country club has or whatever, the influencer Mm -hmm. instead have something that speaks to you and works for you and is functional. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of honesty involved, being honest with yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and some people just can't verbalize that or, you know, so much of this has to do with psychology, right? Like Mm -hmm. design is, is such a, small component really at the end of the day it's psychology it's it's finance and all of that and so really we have a lot of work to do and I think sometimes clients feel we can be annoying because we're asking a lot of questions I was on a call with a client who we're working on working with right now in her kitchen and just kept pushing and trying to get more information and I told I told her I said I'm sure you feel like I'm super annoying right now but, but it's because we're really trying to design your dream right. kitchen. And so 
Or you can look at Pinterest and Instagram and everyone else's kitchen for hours. But let's like really have some meaningful conversation about how you live and how your family lives and build around that. Sure, use those images for inspiration, but really fine tune them and customize them for yourself. Yeah. How many kitchen appliances do you have? Do you have a thousand cookie sheets? Do you bake? Like, do you go shopping once a month and you need a huge pantry and two fridges? Or do you like to go every three days and you don't? She says, hi, y'all. I've been binge listening to your podcast since I discovered it last summer and I love it. My story. I just recently retired from teaching and my husband decided the very next month that he wanted us to build a new home close to our daughter and her precious family who live five hours away from us now. I'm at a loss about how to choose finishes for the new build and how to design the fireplace area, especially under a tight time frame. I feel kind of intimidated asking for help because I know so little about decorating and I don't know that I can even explain what I'm hoping to do. I don't know the style I like other than I like unfussy design. I don't like things in my house for the sake of a certain style. I like using meaningful and useful items. We are downsizing. Our new home will be a farmhouse style and we'll have a little over 2,600 square feet. The great room area is 31 by 17 feet. I think I want gray walls, white cabinets, navy island, and white molding. I want the fireplace shiplap section to be gray. Also, I don't know what should be around the gas fireplace inset. What should the fireplace surround be? Tile, brick, something else. I don't want to put too much furniture in our new home, but I want to be able to have our children and four young grandchildren over and be comfortable and have adequate seating. What combination of living seating do you recommend? My husband insists on a recliner, sigh, (laughs) but I get to have my choice of other items. Um, And then she did us a little drawing of her fireplace wall and she kind of came up with this um, sort of, it's not in here, but I will say that I remember what it looked like and it was cute. (laughs) 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 But basically she wanted to tuck some cubes underneath a ledge on the fireplace wall um, so that she could pull the cubes out, you know, when she had her proceeding kids over. Yes. She also just has tons of questions. So how many outlets do I need? Um, I want a bench to use or with coat hook, with coat hooks above it that will be custom made. I think that the bench and stools should have upholstered seats for comfort. So it sounds like she wants to move that bench over to the living room when necessary. Um, what type of window coverings would be good for a space like this? Do I need to coordinate the window coverings from both the living room and kitchen? Um, how closely should finishes and hardware match? Um, okay. So let's kind of start there. So she has a long list and it Um, sounds like she's, it sounds like she is kind of so high level. She hasn't really drilled down to, you know, what do I really like? How do you guys handle a client like that? What, what, what advice do you give her? Yeah, it's a lot a lot of we need to drill down. And so it's looking at a lot of imagery and asking a lot of questions. But um, one thing she did say was that she doesn't like fuss. She said Mm -hmm. unfussy. And so 
that's good because it's consistent with the farmhouse style, right? And so everything's sort of minimal. And she says she doesn't like anything that's mm-hmm. kitschy, which we find a lot of those farmhouse styles. Um, in terms of the seating, I think that's one of the first things I tackle. Maybe it's because like Jessica says, I go to the practical part of things very quickly. But um, she wants to seat a lot of people in this space. And from the images she sent, there's really now only like a sectional with the sheds facing the fireplace. And it makes us feel like it's very apartment style and not as sophisticated, maybe is the right word. I think these are the builder photos, Mm -hmm. by the way. I think they're rendering. That's not her. Yeah, they're they're not her furniture. Yeah. So that's certainly not going to work for her to see all of those people. So we were thinking... Maybe it's where she's talking about having this bench near that that foyer area. She doesn't have a true foyer, right. it seems. That's another part of it. So you're walking in and you're spilling onto this living room space, which we've talked about in this podcast, right? Um, and the challenge that that brings. And so maybe instead of a bench that is, you know, just backless, why isn't it more of a, a settee almost? Maybe it's like 30 inches deep or something like that. And then, so that face is the fireplace. Granted, it's far enough away from the fireplace. Mm-hmm. And then she can have a normal size sofa, seven, eight feet, perpendicular to the fireplace. And then across from that, the recliner side. <laughs> Though there aren't many good ones on the market now. Um, and then another, like a wing back chair or something like that, that has a nice scale in proportion to the recliner so that the recliner doesn't feel like the monster, the big thing in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the, in the settee could be an open base, can seem like a, a wooden framed open base so that it's light enough to pull over and serve as the bench in the dining area that you requested. So then she sort of pulls it up to the living space to turn it from like two parallel to a U shape kind of. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Exactly. Right. And so that's a T ends up being like that bottom part of the U essentially. Right. Yeah. And you can, she can, you know, have a small drinks table uh, paired with it. And so that's where she could curl up with a book or a cup of coffee. Um, but it serves almost triple duty at that point. Cause it's also where you'd sit down and take your shoes off because she doesn't have a foyer and it then it goes over into the dining room as well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I think having little cubes around, um, cause she did send us a drawing and it's not in here, but, um, where she wanted to tuck some cubes sort of under a ledge. I also did something in our, um, living room that I've talked about before, but I put a, um, little cube underneath my side table cause mm-hmm. my side table is just, it doesn't have shelves. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's really easy. It t- tucks away. You never know it. It's there. there most of the time. But then if we have a bunch of people over, I can pull it out. And that's, um, so there, there are lots of little ways that you can tuck those cubes mm-hmm. around. And so that gives you even more. And I bet like kids like to sit on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, definitely. You can pull cubes up to like a small um, play table or something like that for, you know, crafts and puzzles and that kind of thing too. Okay, so then to answer her question, how closely should finishes, faucets, pot filler, cabinet hardware, should it match? So the 
it doesn't have to match. In fact, it helps with that layered look to make them not feel like it was all picked out at the same time. But we would say that any plumbing should match. So the faucet and the pot filler should absolutely be the same finish. But then she can change up the finish on the hardware or on the light fixtures because those can be kind of considered as jewelry. Um, but she obviously needs to keep it somewhat consistent. So we we can't talk about mixing three different finishes or three different metals in. But if um, the light fixtures pop or or just the hardware pops, um, that's totally a good thing to do to make it look like it wasn't all picked at the same time. And it feels like these are decisions that, you know, it's not a brand spanking new right. build. One thing that always confuses me is I feel like people like try to get everything to match to a degree that just is un- like, it's right. impossible. Like and unnecessary. your doorknob, your doorknobs do not need to match your light fixture. Like just because right. you have, nickel doorknobs in your house doesn't mean that literally every other metal in the house has to be, I mean, that would be impossible to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that would even, yeah. All of that, you know, one, you know, brand A's polished nickel might not be exactly what brand B's polished nickel is. So exactly. true. Yeah. true. And then it just all feels very, it's almost artificial at the end mm-hmm. of it, you know, when it's so matchy matchy. But I do like your rule about categorizing things. You know, your plumbing. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Your um, light fixtures or your hardware, and then your, you know, then maybe your doorknobs or a t- totally other finish. Right. I feel like that's a good, easy to follow sort of mm-hmm. rule. Well, what about mm-hmm. her question about what should her fireplace surround be? She, you know, she's like stone, brick, tile. What do you guys think? She's speaking about the space right next to the fireplace, or is she talking about that, you know, her, her whole chimney sort of column, if you will, because that's what they're suggesting be shiplap. And I am, I don't know if we're completely understanding her, if she, if she's talking about that whole chimney or just that immediate space right around the fireplace, because mm-hmm. there would be, there would be two different answers or um, even just the box. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the photos, the box looks like concrete. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, brick would be the natural suggestion. Um, I think for us, especially because of the style of the house, um, from what she's shown us, even the exterior renderings, it seems to be really consistent with something that should be weathered and feel true to it. So mm-hmm. I would say brick. Would you agree, Jess? On the, on, if, if we're talking about the immediate surround space. Yeah. Definitely. We, we always like to focus on what the architecture calls for, what would have been, what makes sense. So we talk all the time about how people buy a modern home, but then they have really traditional taste or vice versa. They'd buy a very old home and have really modern taste. We always like to be really make things selections that are appropriate to the architecture of this space. So for this, absolutely. A brick makes a lot of sense here. What about her idea of white cabinetry and a Navy Island? No. Okay. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> hard. Okay. No. Tell us why, Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Why? Uh, uh, well, first, because I'm tired of seeing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's def- It's, it's just going to be, it's going to be one of those, you know, 
pinpoint markers that in 10 years, we're going to know exactly when this design was done. In fact, we have a client right now that asked for that. And we said, no. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and sure, I mean, the every rule is meant to be broken and it depends the context, but white kitchen with a Navy Island in a modern farmhouse. I mean, come on, can we say 2017 to 2020? Like that is going to be such a branded error for this sort of look and she'll regret it. And I think there's something about, you know, she's saying that they're already retired, right? So they are of a certain age. And I think that the home should be there should just be a level of sophistication. They have that. They've they've earned that. They've earned their stripes. They've lived through different design eras. And I think we see some of these more trendy things with um, a younger demographic that sort of just follow the Pinterest, wherever the Pinterest trails lead you, um, mm-hmm. which typically are this sort of high contrast Navy Island, especially with the brass mm-hmm. uh, hardware that she referred mm-hmm. to. Um, she was you know, really set on having a Navy Island, then we would definitely do not do brass hardware on that Navy color because that's even further going down that trendy path that's going to be so dated. So we would say stick to a cooler, um, maybe a nickel or even black. Well, you know? what what would you suggest then for her island kitchen combo? Do I would say something that would have a little bit more longevity would be almost something like a driftwood color, you know, an, an oak, a stained material. It could be it could be dark. It could be very light and rough hewn to speak to um, mm-hmm. some of the other materials she has in the home. But I think that will stand the test of time um, mm-hmm. as opposed to a blue island. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people are so obsessed with that Navy Island with the white? Is it just because they think white is all white is boring and they want it to feel? Yeah, they're just like, trying to be different. And Navy or blue is always going to be the other neutral. Mm-hmm. Right? If you ask um, you know, clients nine times out of 10, what color are you comfortable with? It'll be blue because it's the safest, right? You could pair. It's just we always sort of make um, uh, a parallel to clothing, right? And so men will wear either dark trousers or if they're going to go a little bold, it's going to be a Navy trouser, right? You don't really mm-hmm. divert further than that. So, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that's true. Okay. Um, her last question was about the dining table and kitchen island fixtures being the same. Do they need to match? The dining table? They should yeah, like the dining the table light and oh. the kitchen island oh. light. Sorry. Yeah, the light fixture. So it's hard to say without obviously seeing, because we haven't seen how those spaces relate to one another, where they are. Are they, is it an open space? Is there separation? There should be some kind of harmony and synergy within them regardless, but they don't have to match per se. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all open in one space even if let's say we had a kitchen and we're talking about the kitchen pendants over the island and a table that's a few feet away kitchen table not necessarily dining table those would never be the same fixture either right they would be different they would speak to one another and be similar um or maybe again the metals if the chain should both be the same on both but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be the same maybe one has glass and one is a fabric shade or um, some kind of porcelain or some other material, um, they can they can play nicely, but they don't have to be 
Yeah. And that. It also, it seems like they are going to be serving different functions. So having them match doesn't really make sense because they're, they have completely different purposes. Right. Right. So right. there's and no it, way for them to serve the purpose that you need it to serve with them being the same. Yeah. And they feel special on their own. So if they're exactly the, as the same, then neither right. of them feel special. Right. True. Yeah. That's a good point. That's mm-hmm. a good point. All right. Okay. Well, good luck. Send us after Yeah, photos. that's exciting oh, to build yeah. a new house. That's fun. I know. Gosh. I'm jealous. Yeah. Okay. Well, Virginia, Jessica, thank you all so much for joining us. We really enjoyed thank it. You. We're thank you. Here. Yeah. What, can you tell everyone where to find you, follow you, all of that good stuff? Yeah. So we are, um, well, we can be found uh, online at our website, www.toledogeller.com. Or we are really active on Instagram. Um, and our handle is Toledo Geller. It is beautiful. So it's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And your site's beautiful as well. Yes. One of my favorites in a while, for mm-hmm. sure. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thanks for chatting us. We, we appreciated it. Thank you for having us. And hopefully we'll get to see you in, in person next time. And Absolutely. <laughs> not through the screen. Be healthy. Yes, you too. You too. Okay, that's our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. Of course, check out the show notes at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And um, don't forget to send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And until next time, happy decorating. decorating.